We have to go back! Hello everyone, welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are reviewing the 1987 American black comedy film directed by Dan DeVito, co-starring Billy Crystal, Throw Mama from the Train. Throw Mama from the Train. Throw Mama. So many ways to say it. Now, now, Grayson, why are we reviewing this movie? We are reviewing Throw Mama from the Train because of Commuter, starring Liam Neeson. It's coming out. Yep. takes place on a train. We just knew we wanted to do a train movie. Mm-hmm. And we already reviewed Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Right. So that's why we're reviewing this movie. And it was such a treat. Um, I really enjoyed it, but we're going to get into that. But firstly, I just want to say, hey, thanks for listening, guys. I don't know if you knew this, Grayson. We're getting super close to our 100th upload whoa yeah we uh we have 96 this will be our 97th upload so we're getting pretty close to 100 uploads but yeah i just want to say thanks thanks and uh we appreciate you and uh and we love hearing about uh your reactions and your thoughts and even you know your comments about um you know just the podcast and your reviews so just thanks and now let's go into uh this review the one you're listening to so um in case you are unfamiliar with this movie as i was um throw mama from the train is a 1987 film directed by danny devito and this is his directorial debut um and uh it's a remake of Alfred Hitchcock's movie Strangers on the Train, which follows the story of two strangers who meet on a train. People just used to meet on trains. And so a young tennis player and a charming psychopath su- like meet on a train. And the psychopath suggests that because they each want to get rid of someone, they should exchange murders. Um, and that way, neither of them would get caught. And so the psychopath commits the first murder and then tries to force the tennis player to complete the bargain um so that's what the original movie is and dan devito said you know what if it ain't broke don't fix it and literally has like a scene in the movie where he just watches that plot he's like got it got everything i need and then comedy ensues and it's a it's such a great movie and it has such a star-studded cast uh you have billy crystal um rob reiner makes an appearance you have and ramsey um and kim greist kate mulgrew uh branford marsalis and oprah like oprah as herself shows up and it's great oprah being oprah this is actually the second movie we've reviewed on the podcast directed by danny devito Mm -hmm. the first being matilda the documentary Yes, which also mm-hmm. means it's the fourth overall Danny DeVito movie that we've done. Yeah, the other one being Batman Returns, mm-hmm. and the other other one being Man on the Moon. Man on the Moon, that's right. I was like, we haven't reviewed Junior yet. The only options, clearly. Uh, So there is very little known about uh this actual movie and the production of it based off of what I could find on the internet. But what I could find um, was this interesting little tidbit about getting the rights to use Strangers on the Train. 
so the production company Orion needed to approach Warner Brothers about getting permission to use references to strangers on the train, but Warner Brothers didn't really want to cooperate. But lucky for Orion, Warner Brothers realized that Orion still owned the rights to the movie Arthur. Uh, so they traded the 1951 Hitchcock classic so that they could make an Arthur sequel, Arthur 2, Pig in the Big City. No, um, Arthur 2 on the rocks. And um, that movie turned out to be a complete disaster in the box office, whereas Throw Mama from the Train was the 13th most successful movie of 1987. Wow. And with that swap, they realized they had strangers on a train, <laughs> their own movies. Yes. Uh, crisscross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The movie did like surprisingly well on like a very modest budget of about 14 million dollars it grossed 57 million dollars in the box office and it it just it did good it did real good and from there uh dan devito continued to direct other great movies um like we've mentioned before matilda um and he also um is slated to direct the Penguin standalone film. <laughs> the thing that we've all been asking for. Cobblepot. <laughs> the movie. Definitely a, a talent. And his character in this, I've never seen him act this way. Oh my gosh. Right? Because a lot of times I, I think with the exception of like Penguin and now Owen, he it feels like, okay, I'm, I'm watching Danny DeVito be a very specific type of character. Right. Um, and that's what I was expecting from Billy Crystal, which Billy Crystal fits my my preconceived notions of what Billy Crystal's going to be in a movie. Danny DeVito, very different in this movie. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he did phenomenal. Uh, before we get into our reactions, though, um, I think it's time to take a little trip over to Quote Corner. <laughs> now, b- before we do that, I just want to say we've never explicitly say this, but we we aim to make this a somewhat family-friendly podcast when it comes to our discussion um we know we've reviewed some non-family-friendly movies like matilda (laughs) well they did edit matilda so that it did get a pg rating they just had to take out the whole subplot where danny devito was actually the penguin the whole time oh yeah and then the sea story with coolio (laughs) you know yeah you're right yeah they had to cut that to make Mm. room for that uh fight scene that they had in the park but they kept Uh, it in the trailer so that's weird uh so this quote corner is going to be a little bit uh censored uh due to um just uh, the amazing quotes in this movie but uh yeah it's just uh we're gonna censor it i'm just gonna start out with one of my favorite ones which was dive dive yelled the captain through the thing so the man who makes it dive pressed a button or something and it dove (laughs) and the enemy was foiled again Looks like we foiled them again, said Dave. Yeah, said the captain. We foiled those barnacles again. <laughs> Didn't we, Dave? Yeah, said Dave. The end. <laughs> it's one of my favorite favorite readings, favorite uh, little excerpts from the class uh, that Billy Crystal's character plays. It's, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. And then another part of that is, his guts oozed nice, like a melted malted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just love all of the different starts that he had whenever he was trying to come up with 
the night was. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite one being, the night was dry, yet it was raining. <laughs> uh, two exchanges between Larry and Owen. One, uh, this one just made me laugh out loud the hardest. Larry, Owen, what did you do to my wife? Owen, I'm, I, I don't want to say over the phone. All I can say is that I killed her last night. Hangs up the phone. <laughs> and then the other one being Owen saying, Larry, I can't breathe. Larry, yes, that's because I'm choking you. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into our reactions. Now, Grayson, I'm going to take an assumption, which I'm told you are supposed to never do. But was this your first time watching this movie? The first time I watched this movie was actually way back, uh, it's probably about 48 hours ago. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot's happened in the last two days, uh, <laughs> and I didn't know what to expect. I didn't realize that the Strangers on a Train connection was so called out in the story. I thought it was going to be like a veiled adaptation, be like, hey, if you've seen Strangers on a Train, it's kind of like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was I was surprised and interested when they flat out like identified the source of the premise. Um, so that, that was that was enjoyable. This one, I had only heard the title, didn't know who was in it or what it was about. And uh, I just let myself be surprised. I didn't even watch the trailer before we did this because I just wanted the whole thing to, to kind of be a surprise. And I don't often get to do that. And it was awesome. It was just a, a lot of fun to be able to explore something that a lot of people know about, but I just let myself be entertained. Uh, oh, and yeah. That, that was a lot of fun. I'm telling you, so this movie, I knew nothing about this movie. I I didn't even know it was a remake of Strangers on the Train when I first saw it until they like were obviously doing that. When, when the movie literally just showed up and said, hey. But I was just so, so entertained by this because it felt like um, a parody and in the best ways. Like um, Mel Brooks, uh, mm. I want to say, is cited saying some time in his life um to always parody things that you love or that it's best to parody things that you love uh because instead of it coming off as like this mean-spirited like look at how dumb this is it comes from a loving affection for a thing and the thing that i loved and appreciated like i was like watching this with my wife and i was telling her like oh this like he's he's doing the things that hitchcock used to do like he he would let the audience kind of experience terror. And I'm just like, oh, we know this thing before the characters in the movie do. And like, we see like Danny DeVito walking up with the tie and we know we're watching a movie about a murder, but we're like, oh, so is this going to happen now? Or is he going to try it? Like, how's this going to go? And they keep on playing with that um, convention. And so it's so funny in that way, because you, you know that you're watching a movie where, death is involved it's like in the title but the way that it does and doesn't happen is just such a great experience especially when you watch it for the first time and not know that that's what you're getting because there's so many moments like when owen opened up his briefcase and he i thought he was pulling out a gun i was like Oh, I was telling my wife, like, you know, this is so great because Hitchcock um, w- wouldn't always show things in his movies. He would just let your imagination make the connection between one scene and another, like, or one frame and another. And so they did that same thing, but it was a trumpet. And 
I just love that. And then the following line. What a dream I was having. Louis Armstrong was trying to kill me. <laughs> that was my actual favorite quote. So I'm glad you brought it back. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was just so great. And it's it's just like a, a parody or a comedy or like a parody. It was a parody in the same way that a Scream is a parody. Right. Because a Scream is a parody of like horror movies, but it's still like a solid and actually scary horror movie, which I will actually tie into my headcanon later on. Um, but I just thought that that was such a great homage to uh, Alfred Hitchcock and the way that he would storytell and use that in a kind of dark and comedic way. So like when you are like, you have this tension of like, oh no, something like murderous or scary or terrifying is going to happen. Uh, they kind of take that uh, expectation and like take you in a completely different direction, which is just perfect comedy. So I, I really appreciate all the different ways that they did that. This is the second movie where um, Anne Ramsey uh, appears because oh, yeah. she is the bad mama in uh, Goonies. The funnish fact, uh, it's a fact just about her. Um, her kind of speech impediment was due to her actually getting uh, throat surgery. Um, and that's how she talked uh, for the remainder of her lifetime. Uh, but her role in this movie really like paved her career. Like everyone just really loved her uh, and that kind of like uh brassy like no nonsense taking uh mama she, she showed up as a woman in shelter in scrooge the following year oh. she also often acted with her husband um who is uh an actor as well danny devito was her husband <laughs> no 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 uh but yeah i just man I, yeah I, I think that the way that they, they they do that thing they basically have you buy into the motive uh and uh, and I think that that's really strong. Um, yeah. And they also, they made the characters just likable enough. Oh my gosh. Can we talk about the coin collection scene? Oh. Never in my, I, I have to say, that's my new favorite Save the Cat moment for any, I just want to call it just like, you gotta show it. You gotta show them the coin collection. I think that that was such a great thing. He says, hey, here's a nickel. Here's another nickel. Here's a quarter, and this is a penny. I'm like, oh, so this guy's just—he's just not in reality. And he's like, this is a collection. He's like, yeah, I got this thing from this. I'm like, oh no, my heart's breaking. <laughs> this is so sweet. He's like, yeah, I really love my dad, and that's why he gotta kill my mom. I'm like, oh man, just kill her, Larry. Just do it for Owen. He showed you his coin collection. <laughs> Oh, I, I yeah, I just I just love that moment so much. It was such a sweet little moment. And actually, I, and what I found out in my research is that Danny DeVito really fought for that scene to be shown because that that, that was something that he remembered from his childhood of um, always just having like going to a friend's house and them always just having like one thing like, hey, you want to see this? And it's nothing that's like particularly interesting. It's just a thing that they have. Um, and so I just oh, that's such a great moment. Uh, was there anything else that you noticed, um, like, you know, your first time watching it? Well, watching it this time, as compared to all the other times I didn't watch it, mm -hmm. uh, I noticed everything. That's no, a lot to I, take it. <laughs> I was excited to see Kate Mulgrew in this, who plays the ex-wife, um, mm -hmm. because I'm a, a big Star Trek Voyager fan, and she plays Captain Janeway. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, that was just fun to see her in a very different role yeah i was super impressed to see her too because she's also in orange is the new black oh that's right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she plays the the russian cook yeah red 
Uh, my wife was like, is that red? I said, no. She says, no, that's her. I was like, what? And I looked up and I'm like, yeah, that's her. So alternate title, Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> Grayson, you just jumped into second take title. I don't even reckless care. Abandoned. I don't even care. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> the night was... Ah, uh, the night was, the night was... Wait, what's happening, Grayson? The night was headcanon. Headcanon is part of the show where we share with you our unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Emphasis on evidence because murder. Um, so... My biggest piece of headcanon, so this is, I can't remember if this is something I've said on the podcast before, but ever since I saw the movie Scream, I realized that not a lot of movies make references to other movies that are in that genre. For example, Scream to me felt like the first horror movie that acknowledged that other horror movies existed. Um, especially when you look at like the Friday the 13th, the Nightmares on Elm Street, no one's saying like, hey, don't go into that abandoned house. Haven't you seen any horror movie ever? That genre Uh, doesn't exist in this universe. Exactly. So when I see movies like that, that do make references to other movies, especially within the genre, my headcanon is that those movies take place in our reality. Uh, Because the ideas that other movies that don't make references and they kind of follow the same tropes and cliches exist in a whole nother kind of like universe that is attached to each other. So like all the horror movies that kind of play on those tropes kind of exist in the same universe of every other horror movie. So all I have to say is that I, my headcan is that this movie does take place in the same reality of scream as well as uh, just our regular universe so similar to like the tarantino universe where you have that history that created this more violent present that creates films that are more violent such as kill bill and death proof Mm -hmm. it is media within an alternate reality correct which in this case is our reality yeah i'm tracking nice Basically saying that Throw Mama from the Train is a documentary. Got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How'd they get those camera angles? <laughs> I'm just really impressed. Uh, what about you? What's your headcanon? So it's been a long time since I played this headcanon card, but oh, I'm it seems it. fitting. Fight Club headcanon. Oh. The Fight Club headcanon always pops into my head whenever there are two main characters um, that are so diametrically opposed uh and in in this case it just seemed to make sense especially given their violent tendencies um the uh, hallucinations or the visions that owen gets um clearly there is a reality break there um that is being uh kind of played on and then the just raw anger of uh larry or, or billy crystal's character uh, they don't seem very stable. And so that kind of played into it a lot as well. Uh, the moment that really triggered that, though, was when they were reading the um, the scenes. After he came up with 
the night was humid, and then he reads the night was humid. That's a very specific word to use for that that sentence that just came out of midair. So that's when I started to think, why would it be the same? Because they are the same. I, I'm having a hard time deciding who would actually be the like the primary in this case. If it's true Fight Club style, then it means that Billy Crystal would be the primary. And uh, it's the only time Danny DeVito has been compared to Brad Pitt. But <laughs> it it almost makes more sense that Owen is the primary in this case. And he imagines a more successful partnership with his teacher, um, who is, uh, you know, Billy Crystal's character, who he views as this successful individual, as someone that he would want to be like. Um, I almost wonder if a lot of this was triggered by the absence of Owen's father as well. Mm. And the idea that Owen is not actually as old as he is portrayed to be, that Owen imagines himself in this role because he had to grow up so quickly and take care of his mom but that he is actually more uh. a child that that he is a an actual kid like an eight to ten year old kid who is imagining this so when he's sitting in the adult classroom he's actually just sitting at school with a, other students he's in an english class in public school or something like that and billy crystal's character is his teacher Mm-hmm. Um, but when he goes home, he has this mom who's not nice to him ever since his dad's been gone. Like she's been just really terrible. So he creates this alternate universe to uh, to kind of cope and deal with it. That's why everything he says is so childlike. That's why even though he's had those coins for so long, they're still in like perfect condition. Yeah, he is a child and has had a fight club type fracture to create this other psyche uh, in order to cope with his reality, which is a much sadder interpretation of it, but it made sense to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I was really expecting for, like, once they hit the train that, like, they're just going to do a super cut of how Owen was never there. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. That's a very solid headcanon. Almost as solid as a train. I've heard that. Solid as a train. Yeah. It's a very popular phrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's been said about our podcast. Solid as a train. Dun, 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 dun. I can vouch for this guy. He's solid. <laughs> He's solid as a train. <laughs> now it's time to the part of the show where we share with you our recasts and remakes. Where if this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? And what would the storyline be? Um, I would love to see a, gosh, kind of like a trilogy, almost like a a Hitchcock trilogy of this kind of universe where all these different um, people start remaking Hitchcock's movies. They just like, just people just watching Hitchcock movies like, this guy has the right idea. And they just make these different decisions based off of that. I gotta get me some birds. <laughs> Uh, as far as the cast would go, I would love to see, um, I mean, just because they already make a great duo, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Kevin Hart. Yeah, that would, that would be great. For mine, I had uh, Josh Gad as Owen. Nice. And then for Larry, I would really like to see 
Kumail Nunjiani from The Big Sick and yes. Silicon Valley. Yes, he'd be so great. He's so dry and so Oh, I love he does, that. He does dry well. He does really angry well. I, I just think he would he would nail it. And then for Mama, Kathy Bates. Oh yes. Uh, and for uh, Kate Mulgrew's character, the ex-wife, uh, Margot Robbie. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, cause I think she could play that kind of air of like being successful, but also rubbing your face in it. That just would mm-hmm. drive Kumail like up the wall. Uh, and then finally for Beth, Alison Brie, she seems nice. to have that kind of like sweet demeanor. Yeah. Uh, that, but can also go along with the craziness that's starting to unfold, which can we talk about that? It seems like they just started dating and she's like lying to the police for him. Yeah, that's a that's a, she's a keeper for sure. <laughs> that's how you judge a keeper. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, another person who I would also love to see. Um, I think that uh, if I could just get Bill Hader to play Mama, I think it would just be the absolute best. <laughs> a lot of makeup. A lot of makeup, but I'm I'm. Oh gosh, and then or or. Um, Andy Circus, just get him in that mocap suit and then just animate. Because of his role in Baskets, Louis Anderson would be really interesting oh, as Mama. Oh yeah, yeah, solid. There's precedent. Very nice. All right, now we're gonna go into our final segment where we give you our reasons to recommend. So Grayson, why would you recommend Throw Mama from the Train? Well, Ricky, you know I love buddy comedies. And this is one that has been on the shelf for a long time, but still delivers. And even though it was definitely a scripted comedy, the acting and directing was so natural around these scenes that it feels improvised in a lot of the times. So uh, for the relationship between Billy Crystal and Owen alone, I would uh, recommend just diving into it and like explore a movie that maybe either you haven't seen in a while or in our case seen only 48 hours ago. <laughs> I man, I just really became enamored with this movie. Like it was so it's how I feel dark comedies should make you feel, which is just like unexpectedly uh delightful like cuz you deal with some like some darker subject matter, but also like having a lightness to it or seeing kind of like the silver lining. Um, and I think that this movie just delivered on that and also just played with the audience's expectations constantly, uh, which is, I think is a very fun thing to do when you can do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I mean, I think this became kind of one of my favorite movies. Like, after watching, I was like, I kind of want to own this and see what else I can find out about this movie. I really want to watch it again. It was so good. Uh, but yeah, I recommend it. It's a dark comedy. If you if you are a fan of Alfred Hitchcock's uh, films, but also you'd really appreciate this movie. Um, and I, there's just so many Easter eggs and so many different expectations to um that they and conventions of horror movies that they play with that's just a real treat especially for movie lovers so that is why i'd recommend it they really were throw mama from the train (laughs) they truly were (sighs) 
All right, so that is our review of Throw Mama from the Train. Let us know what you remember about Throw Mama from the Train on Twitter, if you do know it. Um, if you just went through this whole podcast because you're a loyal listener and you just love listening to us talk about movies you haven't seen, uh, I found out that the movie is available for free with limited ads on Vudu. Glad I paid four bucks for it. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> No, uh, Voodoo is definitely the way to go, especially for uh, if they do have it with ads. And I'm telling you, like, it's that was it. Like, no 10-minute-long commercials. Oh, okay. Uh, and we would love it if you left us a review on iTunes. Now, I know we mentioned this pretty much every episode, but now we're just going to take some time to read some of the amazing reviews that you have left, wonderful listeners. Uh, we have uh, a review that says, great five stars. This is a great podcast to listen to. The dialogue is entertaining and is appropriate for all people. If you like movies, you will love this podcast. Well, thank you, lovely listener. We have another one that says, if you enjoy movies at all, you should listen to this podcast. I agree. Um, it has a lot of positive energy and is both informative and entertaining. <laughs> wow, I Thank am you. shocked by the informative part. Really? That's... That is very generous. You got that from this? Wow. Uh, well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. But yes, please leave us a review. It really helps the podcast out. It helps people who stumble across this, uh, people who are looking for fish. What? <laughs> fish? Can't you get that exclusively at Don Quijito? Don Quijitos. <laughs> the secret ingredient to our guacamole queso. It's just queso. And it's just okay. <laughs> so, um... So <laughs> you can't spell queso without okay. <laughs> Unless, of course, you're misspelling queso. Uh, we need to get out of this bit. Um, so, yes, please leave us a review. It helps people to know that this is the podcast where we review retro movies and have informative and entertaining conversations. Uh, if you could leave us a review on a scale of one to five uh, crisscross murders, how mm. would you... Actually, that's bad because all mur- murder's bad, guys. Yeah, I don't five think- murders is like great. <laughs> what? Also, I feel like I was misunderstood earlier with the okay thing. I was spelling it... O-H-Q-U-E, as in Spanish for, oh, what? (laughs) Oh, what? So? Oh, what? So? (laughs) Just give me melted cheese. Well said. So five Uh, murders is the best. No, I take that back entirely. On a scale of one to five trains, um, because trains are always great. Or on a scale of one sad penny to oh. five cents from mm-hmm. one to a nickel. How much did you enjoy it? Yeah. How much like will you never forget this and always cherish it and show it to your friends? Yeah. And let us know what movie inspires you uh, to commit horrible uh, crimes. Probably seven. <laughs> oh, man. That guy has a right. He's got all of them. Don't even have to choose. Oh, man. I guess our airtight alibi is that we were both here. I was asleep on a rock. (laughs) That's my alibi. All right, guys. You've been great. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and this episode. Be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. (laughs) 